I want to read tonight from Acts, the book of the Acts, and chapter 16. Book of the Acts, chapter 16, and we're moving down from verse 12. Yeah. Acts chapter 16, verse 12, down to verse 34. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. And she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized on her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, and brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. And brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up to gather against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And then immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Amen. We know the Lord will bless his word again to our hearts this evening. Here we have the beginning of the church at Philippi. How did this church at Philippi begin? Well, it began, I believe, with God leading a spirit-filled man or spirit-filled men. Paul was not on his own. There was others with him here. 
And uh, the spirit-filled man is under the instructions of the Lord himself, spirit-led, spirit-guided. He's not in a backslidden state or anything like that. He's walking with the Lord. He was saved man. He was saved in the Damascus Road. He had that experience of knowing Christ and meeting Christ as his saviour. And he realised, he knew he was a sinner. He knew he was a very a vile sinner. He was a blasphemer. He persecuted the church. He had sinned against God. He had sinned against the church. He had taken uh, and beaten up believers and put his hand to the death of believers. But God put his hand on him. That's a wonderful thing. God, the great sovereign God of heaven, took a moment and put his hand upon Paul or Saul and he brought him under conviction of sin. I'm not sure when the conviction of sin began, but he was there at the death of Stephen. And as he watched that godly young man, sometimes we think these are all old men we're talking about. Stephen would have been a young man. And there Stephen was witnessing for Christ as Savior in front of all as he was soon to die. What a death. To die at the stoning of the hands of the Jews. And to see heaven open. And to hear the welcome home when the silver cord was broken. Welcome home to glory. Well done, good and faithful servant. And what a witness. As Saul, that hardened persecutor, stood and watched. He watched him live a life in Christ. He watched him die a death in Christ. And he realized in Stephen's life that there was something real. Something genuine. Oh my, as others watch us, we, we need to see and let them see that we have something that's genuine, that something's lasting. Saul didn't get saved then. He went off on his trail, angry, murderous. He got his letters of permission to do to Damascus. You can see him going down the road, angry, bitter against the Christians, days of persecution. And then the Lord stopped him. Wonderful. The Lord stopped him. Stopped him immediately. Stopped him there in the Damascus Road. And we see him on his knees. He, he made him a disciple. He saved him. He washed him. He cleansed him. He didn't only do that. He changed the desires of this man's heart completely. He changed him from being opposed to Christianity, to love Christianity, to be opposed to the Savior, to love Christ. There's a radical change in his life. And friend, that's what salvation is. God's genuine salvation makes a change in our lives. It makes a change. We were just talking today. It makes a change in what we love and what we hate. It makes a change in what we love in the lines perhaps of music and sport and all those things. Things that once we hated, we now love. The things we once loved, we now hate. And here we have a man, Saul, and he's humbled before God. You see him on his knees there before God. So many today you talk to them about sin and salvation and say, No, I, I'm good enough. I, I'm fine. Uh, I'm as good as all. In fact, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm better than some of the professing Christians. And sadly, that's true. But here's a man and he's saved. He had been a, a very, we could call, religious man. But now he's found Christ as a saviour. There in the Damascus road he wasn't only saved, but he was surrendered to the will of God. 
Lord, what will you have me to do? Wonderful statement. Lord, what, what do I do now? I, I, I'm out of the devil's family. I'm out of the devil's grasp. I, I'm set free, Lord, to serve you. So show me, Lord, what you should have me to do. And the Lord said, <laughs> go into Damascus, you'll meet Ananias. He didn't turn him and didn't do, he just kept on walking with the Lord. A surrendered life. Oh, I remember many years ago when we were younger, going to the missionary meetings, and we would sing, Where he may lead me, I will go, for I have learned to trust him. So his divine will is sweet to me. So many today, it's not where he will lead me, but it's what he'll feed me. Oh, to many today, they're saved. They just want an insurance policy to get them into heaven. But they don't want a surrendered life. They don't want to be like Elisha and step out in faith. Step out with God in faith. Chalmers Burns, that great missionary man, if you've never read about him, search him out, says books, read about him. Chalmers Burns was a great Scottish preacher and let me tell you, he would have been well looked after in Scotland. Scotland were very good to their preachers in Murray McShane's time. Uh, Burns came to Murray McShane's time when Murray McShane was on a holiday and revival came, preached in various places, many were saved. But he left and he went to China. There was robbers out one night and one of them says, well, rob this old place here the man said one of the robbers said look don't go there that's a foreigner he's a European man he's not worth robbing he has nothing to steal from he lives so poor Chalmers Burns needed more missionaries and he supplied the need from his own missionary pocket where he may lead me I will go for I have learned to love him so the surrendered life. Lord, fill me with your spirit. That's a spirit, spirit-led man. Lord, lead me by your spirit. Spirit-led man. Lord, lead me today. Lead me daily. If you notice verse 10. And now, well, it says there, actually go verse Six. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. So here's a man. He's not only been led in the positive, but he's been led in the negative. Now I don't know how the Lord forbade him to go into Asia, but it says he was forbidden. And then in verse 9 he said, He said, A vision appeared in the night and stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And then he says immediately in verse 10, we endeavoured to go to Macedonia. And then we come to verse 11. And therefore losing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis. I'm not sure all the details of the mileage here, but I believe in those days of sailing, it was a five-day journey that they did over day. What had happened here? God had got a man who loved the Lord, who walked with the Lord, who was surrendered to the Lord, and he was leading him and he was guiding him in the perfect will of God. And 
he gives them a sign here, a five-day journey. It was a one-day journey. Takes him to Philippi. You're looking for a minister? There's the marks of the spirit-led man. A man is saved. A man is surrendered to the will of God. A man not only surrendered to the will of God, but a man that's walking in obedience to the Spirit of God, leading and guiding. Let me tell you a story. You don't have to be a preacher to be led by the will of God. My father was a very strong big man. I always wanted to be like him, but I never succeeded. <laughs> but he took very ill one time. Went to the doctor, rushed to hospital. They couldn't understand what was wrong with such a strong man being so very ill. He was in the hospital and my dad was a great man for witnessing to talk to people about the Saviour. And he was lying in bed and he spoke over to the man beside him and he says, How are you today? I'm not well. And Do you know the Lord is your Saviour? No, I don't. Do you not know who I am? But eventually after a few days, dad got out of bed and he went over to speak to the man. And he began to talk to him again about salvation. The man says, I don't understand put his hand in his pocket and he pulled out a coin he said here there's a wee gift for you the man says I don't need your money I have plenty of money look he says I didn't ask you that take the wee gift spirit led man in a time of sickness in a time of hospital the man says well I'll take your gift alright thank you now he says that's salvation God comes with the gift of salvation. He says, here, take it. And you say, no, no, I don't need it. I'm good enough. But he says, eventually he said, I'll take it. And that man in the hospital bed that day said, Lord, I'll take your gift of salvation. A spirit-led man, a spirit of a man who was saved, a, a man who was walking in obedience, not only in the pulpit, friend, but in times of sickness. Walking in obedience surrendered to his saviour we go a little further he arrives in Philippi it's interesting that he saw a man in Macedonia who prayed him come over and then when he arrives there he meets a woman <laughs> there they are they've arrived in Philippi and they're settled in for a few days and they go down on the Sabbath day by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made verse 13 and the women resorted thither. Men going to a woman's prayer meeting. And there they go. And of course the minute the men arrived, look, speak to us. Paul begins to speak. And as he speaks there, the Spirit of God is with this man. The Spirit of God's indwelling the preacher. The Spirit of God is using the preacher. And in that gathering, there's a woman called Lydia, and she's a wealthy woman. She's a settler of purple. We're not going into all the details, but purple was a very sought-after cloth. It was a, like royal cloth. And she was a wealthy woman, and it's possible, no mention of her husband here, but it's possible that her husband had died, and she was carrying on the husband's business, and she was traveling different places she was wealthy, but she didn't have a love for money. Now, there's a difference, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, you can be poor and have a love for money as well. 
It's the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money's the root of all evil. And here she is. She sometimes riches can be a great snare. Remember of knowing of a man in Ireland. And in his younger day, he was saved and loved the Lord. And he went, he would do open air meetings and he'd help out at church services, various little mission halls. But then, as his wealth began to grow and his company began to change, the Lord seemed to go further away from him. He said, one said, Christianity can be the mother of wealth. Christianity can be the mother of wealth but the daughter which is wealth sometimes rises up to kill the mother sometimes wealth rises up to take away her testimony to take away her zeal but this woman wasn't like this this woman's a religious woman she's not yet saved and she's at a meeting sitting by the river she's at this place where they're praying I believe she's a seeking woman she's a religious woman it's a Sabbath she's keeping the Sabbath day she's a reverence for God she's a reverence for God's day today we don't have that very much we have so little reverence for the Sabbath and God's day and it's just the busiest day of the week it's a day of carelessness so little fear of God so little respect so little yeah, we're losing so many of our family values. My, the olden times, you went to church on the Sabbath morning and you come back from church and you sat around the dinner table as a family and the children talked about their problems and mum and dad and they grew close together for that little time there. But that has been pushed to the one side. We're just so busy. I believe this woman, the seller of purple, she's sitting in a meeting and the man that's speaking is a spirit-filled man. she's listening and it says in verse 14 whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of of Paul there she is a seeking woman the spirit of the Lord comes upon her and her heart opens to the indwelling spirit of a living living saviour Yes, she was listening. Yeah, I believe she was longing for God's mercy. And the Bible says, Seek and ye shall find. She found God's salvation. She found God's mercy. She found God's grace. She found more. She got a new life. She got a new life in Christ Jesus. And then she's just saved and the meeting's finished. And she says, Look, you man, you better come home and have something to eat with us. Says that there. She says, You should be sought of saying... If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide. There she constrained us. She's going to now use her wealth for the Lord. I don't know if she had a big house or a wee house, but I presume she had a big house. There's enough room to bring them all in. Wonder do we use what God has given us, what talent he's given us, for his glory it may be money it may not be money maybe some other way of friend back home 
He's a man, God says. <laughs> yeah, he's a man that bakes. And he goes to some weekends. I'm not saying he bakes every day and runs around the town with cakes and stuff. No, but occasionally he stops and he, he bakes a lovely little wheaten loaf. By the way, there's someone else in Lisbon who does that. And they go around visiting and they leave you a little wheaten loaf and talk to you about the Saviour. God has given them a talent. The Lord has opened Lydia's heart. He's opened her hands. He's opened her life. Oh, she's generous. She's godly. She's a woman. She's going to be a foundation stone for the Philippine church. Tell me, dear lady, in the meeting tonight, are you saved? Do you know Christ is your saviour? Whether wealthy or poor, let's use what God has given to us. And so the preachers move on. Verse 16, it came to pass as we went to prayer. So they're continuing with their meetings. And a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So there's a spirit-filled man. There's this very successful wealthy lady, the seller of purple. Ah, but there's a servant girl appears. This servant girl isn't just the ordinary servant girl because she's in total opposition to the preachers. If you know anything about going preaching, you'll get opposition. If you go out to serve the Lord, you'll get opposition. And here's a woman, a young girl, and she's held captive by sin and Satan. Divination. Brought her masters much gain by soothsaying, fortune-telling. Oh, now, Mr. Baxter, for goodness sake, it's all right to go down to the fortune teller. It's not. It's not. Starting to play with Satan's toys. Starting to look into things that there's to be a veil across. And here's a man in opposition. The spirit of evil has risen up against the Holy Spirit. Paul is in the middle. Yeah. Here's a woman, and what she says is true. But it's coming from a source of evil. And this she does for many days. <laughs> Some preachers would have met her the first day they'd have been laying on of hands and anointing with oil and speaking in tongues and all kinds of things, but... Paul's in no hurry. We talked about that this morning there. The king's business requires haste, but no, there's no hurry here. He lets her go for a few days to be sure of what he's dealing with. He needs to know exactly. He's waiting for God's timing. He's waiting for God's power. He's waiting for God's direction. And he's waiting for the time to come when Satan will bow before the name of Jesus. And that happens. It says there, verse 17, The same followed Paul and us, crying, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which showed us the way of salvation. This did she many days, but Paul being grieved, the time has come. He's grieved, he's disturbed in his soul. He turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out of the same hour. The man of God, a man with opposition, 
but there's victory in Christ Jesus. This young girl, set free. Set free from the powers of divination. Set free from the powers of fortune telling. Set free from the powers of Satan. And let me tell you, not only is she set free from an evil spirit, but the indwelling spirit comes. There's something you need to learn. If the devil and the spirit of evil leaves, they must take in the Holy Spirit. There must be the indwelling, empowering spirit. My, we read in scripture of the evil spirit leaving and the person, they tidy up their life, but they don't take in the fires of Christ. They don't take in the spirit of Christ. They don't take in the new life. And then the devil comes back and it's seven times worse. Here's a new convert in the church already. Here's Lydia, the seller of purple. Here's the servant girl, the girl that was in such great opposition to the church and to the work, and she's set free. And oh, she's welcome into church. She's welcome into church. A new convert. Proof of God's salvation. Young girl, let's see it. Sometimes when a new convert comes to church, some of the older ones say, you know, did you know her? Do you know where she comes from? We need to keep an eye on her. We'll give her a touch of cold shoulder to see what she feels like. And so she walks off and goes to another church where she's welcome. Oh, friend, there's the welcome here. Wonder you see if tonight. Who's your master? And so after this young girl has been set free, her managers, her, 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 what would you say, her owners, the devil himself's not happy. And he stirs up the men that she's working for. And they said, we better get rid of this man, Paul, and these men that have come in preaching this gospel. We better get rid of them. And so they go and they get them and they give them a beating. You say, but surely if you're walking with the Lord, you'll never get into trouble. <laughs> Some preachers will tell you that. But you do, friend. There's many Christians today and they wouldn't like to spend a night in prison with Paul. Sure, they, they couldn't do it. Some of the greatest Christians on this earth tonight are in a prison cell. Some of the most holy, spiritually devoted people are in a prison cell tonight. And here they beat up Paul, Silas. You have it there, verse 19. When her masters saw it, the hope of their gains were gone. They caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace, unto the rulers, brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, exceeding trouble our city. Verse 22, And the multitude rose up to gather against them. The magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Here, jailer, you take them too. Put them in the prison. Make sure you don't lose them. The Philippine jailer. Here we come across a jailer. He's a rough man. He didn't go to church. <laughs> and Titi didn't. He didn't go to a prayer meeting. He just does his job and... Mostly those jailers in the Roman prisons had been ex-soldiers and he'd been 
Well, he had no intention of being a Christian, put it that way. He wasn't searching for God. No. He's hard on God's preachers. He takes them there and he didn't get the doctor to them. He didn't get any medicine. He didn't give them a cocodamol or any of those things. He didn't bind up their wounds or anything like that. He wasn't a good Samaritan. He takes them and he puts them in the inner prison. And it says, he puts, verse 24, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, made their feet fast in his docks. You not sleep too well the night, boys. Stuck in that prison, your feet in the stocks, you can't turn one way, you can't turn the other way. Just you sit there. No doctor, no medicine, no. The jailer, I see him putting the light out, closing the door. It's been a long, busy day, I'm running late, I'll go home. He goes home, goes to bed goes to sleep most of us if we had a prison experience like that as a jailer or a visitor you, you don't sleep well that night but he did, he's hardened he's a hard sinner goes home and goes to sleep he knows those men are safe, they'll be nothing to harm ah but God has his plans isn't that lovely mm-hmm <laughs> We have our plans and we see all things as sort of problems that we get and all the difficulties and all of them. And God has his plans. And the two preachers, Paul and Silas, are locked up. Men anointed of God. Men spirit-filled of God. Oh, but you say, yes. Satan tries to close it, but God's not finished. God allowed them to go to jail for a purpose. Why? that they might meet the Philippian jailer. And there they go in, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Those prisons in those days, the jailer would have been living at the end quarters of the prison probably, and it's possible as he was going to sleep that night, he could hear the singing. I don't know. God had plans for the prisoner, or for the jailer's life. He's going to awake him. Oh, that we might pray that God would step into our districts and our homes. And there's men and women that we know and they're hardened sinners. And God would step in and send that earthquake if need be to shake them to their very roots. And God reaches down that night and he shakes the prison. And it says in verse 27, And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep, He's been sound asleep. His conscience isn't giving him trouble. He's not convicted of his sin. And seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. My, he knows that if he loses these prisoners, the Roman governors will kill him. Lose a prisoner, lose your life. So he takes his sword out. If I don't kill myself now, I'll die a cruel death at the hand of the the Roman governors and the Roman leaders. I'll kill myself. I'll, I'll lose my job. I'll lose my life. I'll die a cruel death. My life's not worth living. And the cry comes out, Do thyself no harm. Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Paul, spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-guided, in prison, suffering, 
pain. They still it is as air for the soul of the, of the jailer, the Roman jailer. Do thyself no harm. Your life is worth living. The jailer saw that his life was not worth living. That's what he thought. And how many there are tonight, and they feel their life's not worth living. If you knew my problems, if you knew my debt, if you knew my stress, if you knew my marriage, if you knew my home, if you knew my children, and they could rhyme off so many different problems, and they say, but life's not worth living. But friend, life is worth living. To be saved, ah yes, to be surrendered to God's will. That makes a change. That makes a change. Oh, where he may lead me, I will go. Let God make the changes. Many years ago, I was sitting with a couple of fellow ministers. We'd gone through a little difficult patch. One of the ministers said to me, he says, Morris, you see no way out. I said, that's exactly right. And he says, I'll tell you, God is a thousand ways out. And it was true. God may not make the changes immediately. It may not happen that night as it did with the Philippian jailer. But the changes will come. And the God can do that. Oh my, Satan wants to destroy lives. He wants suicide. He wants an early death. He wants you to, to defeat God's plan for your lives. He wants to block that future. Child of God that commits suicide. My, you've taken your hand and you've done that which is wrong the prayers are ceased the witnessing ceased the work has ceased for you what must I do to be saved God wants you God loves you God cares for you and oh he cries out what must I do to be saved he had heard the gospel somewhere saved from sin saved from self saved from harm saved from hell saved from the powers of Satan that old hardened jailer I see him coming in, getting down on his knees. It's not suicide, it's salvation. It's not suicide, it's a surrender to the will of God. I see that hardened man breaking down and saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. He takes the prisoners that are. He knows us all's well. There's no prisoners of escaped. And I see him taking Paul and Silas and he witnesses to the family and he tells them of the way of salvation. And whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. One by one, they take Christ as their saviour that night. It's been an earthquake night. The whole house has been wakened. They come to Christ as Saviour. God's able. This is what churches are built on, friend. Men and women from all different backgrounds. The man of God comes along to preach the word of God and he must be walking in obedience to the will of God. It's not just a job being a preacher. It's not just a job, an occupation being a minister. Oh, it's nice to be a minister. Nice clean hands and comb your hair and keep a clean shirt, a clean shirt on and everything is lovely. And you get your wages and you get your salary and you're... 
No, it's not. The preacher should be a man who's called of God, anointed of God, filled with the Spirit of God, walking in obedience to God. And he gathers round him men and women like Lydia, whose heart the Lord opened. And I, I see Lydia coming into church with her wealth and her lovely clothing, and she sits beside the wee servant girl who's poor and broken because she's not getting any wages now. She's cut out of the people. The masters have got rid of her. She's no value to Satan any longer. And she comes in there in her little shaggy servant's clothes on. And the door pushes open with a slam and who walks in but the Philippine jailer. The hardest, toughest man in the district. And I see them praying together and kneeling together. In the days of the great George Whitfield, that's what happened, revival. Lady Huntington, with all her wealth, she bowed with the servants, with all their poverty, because both knew Christ as their saviour. That's what churches are made of. From all different backgrounds. God's servant bringing the word of God. The anointed spirit filled man of God. And God's children been drawing in men and women. Wealthy. Poor. Business owners. Just servants. And in comes, as I said, the hardened jailer. But what have they in common? The Lord Jesus Christ is their saviour. That's the basics of our communicant membership. That they know and love the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. And oh, what a change it makes. That servant girl, my, what a change in her life it would have been. Set free. Set free from the powers of evil. Oh, friend, the powers of evil is a dreadful servitude. Lydia, what changes in her? My, she just throws her home up and says, look, you've got to come and stay with me. Don't be paying your way in the hotel any longer. Come up, up, stay with me. What a change. And the old Philippine jailer, come on in, boys. We'll get you a few bandages and we'll get some ointment. And I see those big rough hands of his and he takes out the ointment and the bandages and he washes the wounds of Saul or Paul and Silas. And he bandages them up. We better get you some supper. God's salvation changes. Doesn't only change our destiny. It makes every change in our life. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word today and for help given. We pray that thou wilt bless thy word, that the Spirit of the Lord will accompany the word of the Lord. and Turn hearts to yourself. Open hearts like Lydia's. Stop those, Lord, that are held by sin and Satan. And, oh God, break the hardest of the hardest. And draw them to yourself. Take us in our way in safety in Jesus' name. Amen.